0: when you're just starting out and you have this sense of, you know what, I think I could be a leader. First of all, don't ignore that voice.
1: Hello, and welcome to Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, one of the lead coaches at Doc Working. And today we are talking about leadership in physicians and ways that you can help find your inner leader, And also work on some of your vulnerabilities when it comes to developing as a strong leader. And we have the absolute perfect person here with us today, in my opinion, to talk about this. Dr. Inga Lennis is a physician as well as an MPH and MBA. She is the Senior Vice President for Ambulatory Care and Patient Experience at Massachusetts General Hospital and for the Mass General Physicians Organization. She's a practicing thoracic medical oncologist and quality of care researcher, also formerly the medical director of ambulatory service and the director of clinical quality at the MGH Cancer Center. And not only is she a trained physician, but she is a trained leader with a master's in public health from Harvard and a MBA from MIT. So you know a thing or two about leadership, somebody I've known a long time, and I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. I know that you will say that often doctors don't recognize that they have a little bit more leadership foundational strengths than they know they have. Can you talk a little bit about that for us?
0: Sure. And first, let me say, Jill, thanks for having me. This is such a pleasure to be here on the Doc Working Podcast. So yeah, I teach leadership in our physician leadership training program at Mass General. And one of the things that I like to talk to doctors about are some of those skills that they don't even know that they have that are superpowers. And I think it goes back to some of our training. Physicians have a long road for training. And part of that training, when we become early doctors or residents, is making decisions rapid fire very quickly And then observing an outcome. Someone once told me you're sort of like a mini scientist because we're making decisions for patients. We have to be attentive to the outcomes. And then we have to be able to leave the prior decisions behind, to be open to what we are hearing, the data that we're collecting, what we're finding out, and we have to make new decisions. And it dawned on me that this is something that there's lots of other people that work very hard to develop that skill set, to be able to make quick decisions, to be not too tied to the outcome, and then to think critically about what they're learning and to make new decisions. And I think that that is just really ingrained in how physicians are trained. And so when we join leadership positions, I think it's something that is underrecognized as a strength of physicians.
1: And then at the same time, I know we've had conversations on the podcast about it from different physicians. There's sort of historically been this idea that sometimes the smartest people get promoted, but they're not necessarily the best people leaders. So how do we adjust those two things with people having some, just by the very nature of training, some foundational skills that are really integral to good leadership in this case, as you said, being decisive and being able to adjust outcomes, you know, Kind of as the algorithm changes, so to speak. And how are we changing in medicine the idea that sometimes people just get promoted based on how smart they are, not on how good they are at leading people?
0: I think it's such a great point is that, you know, the face of physician leadership, I think, is changing as we see more people who are dedicated to honing the craft of leadership and to really developing skills. I said before that I think physicians come with this innate training that makes them very good at some parts of leadership. I also think there's some parts of our profession that can also hold us back in leadership positions. And part of that is, like you said, the history of the way that physicians have been promoted traditionally is for academic achievement or for clinical productivity or for some other standards that may have some bearing on leadership, but may not too, might make you a really good individual contributor, but are not a great leader of people. And so, I think these new skills of leadership—I mean, they're not new; they're old, you know—but now I would say newly recognized: being a great communicator, being a fantastic listener. Being able to be emotionally intelligent, to be able to hear something that you might disagree with and to hold your fire for a little while, to be able to really think about something and integrate it into your decision-making. These are not always characteristics that physicians are known for, I will say, but I do think that they're important for the new generation of physician leaders. And that oftentimes, again, I do think that we have that superpower of being able to make good decisions and not being too wedded to the outcome. But there are other places where we really have to have dedicated effort to develop those skills like a muscle, like a great concert pianist. They don't show up to do their concerts having never practiced. Even people who are very good at something need to take some time to reflect and to work on those vulnerabilities, those blind spots that we all have.
1: In your opinion, are things moving in the right direction? From what I'm hearing you say, and this is me reading between the lines, so you can tell me where I'm wrong. Part of what's changing is that we kind of had a model of what a physician looked like, what gender they were in many cases, (laughs) and what kind of leadership looked like, which was you know this sort of kind of my way or the highway thinking around this. Do you think that as healthcare systems, hospitals, practice groups look for more diversity in who is stepping into leadership positions, that that is having an effect on what leadership strengths are being recognized and honed as well?
0: Absolutely. I see that in the people who are being promoted and hired around me. I see it across the country and in all areas of our business and in other businesses as well. I think as the table is getting expanded and we see more diverse voices come to the table, I think the ability to listen is something that we value more and more and I think also the ability to partner to make change in complex environments and to distribute credit. I think those are some of the new foundational skills that we see emerging in healthcare leaders and to do that all in a very multidisciplinary way. So You know, I work for a physician's organization and I'm fond of saying I represent the physician voice, but that physician voice has to be partnered with people who come from all parts of the hospital system in order to make effective and lasting change. And my highest compliment is when I hear from my colleagues from our advanced practice providers or nursing or other parts of patient care services or the administrative teams and i hear from a young emerging leader in those groups who says you know i've learned something from you i count you as a role model those types of compliments when they're cross discipline i think are so meaningful because i do think that as physicians and especially physician leaders we're leading a healthcare team and that's the important part of understanding this is that it's a team and i think the more that we can position ourselves as leaders of that team not just of our discipline I think that the better it is for physicians in general, and I think it's also as individual leaders, it's much more fulfilling. I mean, it's just a nicer way to work. Like I always say, I always like being part of a team. And so thinking about that and being very deliberate in the way that we hold ourselves, the way that we communicate, who we connect with, I think is so important and for the future as well.
1: Yeah, it's depressurizing in its own way. Because that's where a lot of times, especially younger physicians, when I'm working in a coaching relationship with them, and they'll say, I just don't know how I'm ever going to be, quote, good enough to be a leader or division head or chief or whatever those kind of aspirational goals are. And I think what I'm hearing you say is if we start at that kind of day to day practice of how are you leading yourself and how are you modeling meaningful behavior at every interaction, whether it's the janitor, a colleague, somebody else on support staff, patient. And I like what I've heard you say before. There's a stat that the percentage of physicians that that don't mean to, but they tend to interrupt patients before they really hear what patients are telling them and that impacts patient outcomes. I'm thinking that if you start honing your leadership skill by just practicing being a better listener (laughs) every day on your patients, that's going to actually translate into leadership later. But tell me where I'm wrong or if I'm extrapolating too much there.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I learned that in medical school. So the dean, the leader of my medical school at UMass, Dr. Lazar, published a paper. He's a psychiatrist. And this was, you know, many years ago. And it was seminal at the time because it showed that We tend to, as healthcare providers, as physicians, we we interrupt our patients within 30 seconds of them starting to speak when we see them in the office. And that has downstream effects in the ability for patients to connect with us. And it's just such a great lesson in life in general. But I love what you said about young leaders. I get asked the same question and there's lots of people very forward thinking, thinking about the accomplishments they need to tick off or what they need to do. And in playing in bigger and bigger stages, on bigger stages, I should say. And my best advice, and it's been foolproof so far, is that one of the best ways forward is to do what you're doing now really well. When I hire, I hire for people who are doing their current job very well. If you're thinking too much ahead of, you know, playing chess and like a few moves ahead, I think sometimes you can take your eyes off what is right in front of you. And like you said, building connections, the foundational connections with the people that you work with now, showing that you are a collaborator, a great listener, some of these building blocks of leadership. If you start to work on those foundational building blocks, the rest comes. People gravitate towards your energy and want to work with you. And then the issue is just saying yes to the things that you're interested in. So that's the other question I get is, you know, I have lots of opportunities. I can go this way or that and really putting your energy into the things that you care about. Because I think if you work on those foundational building blocks, the opportunities come to you and then it's just picking the opportunities that aren't just good on paper, but speak to you in terms of your vocation and what you want to do in life. And if you put some energy into those things, I think that it tends to make the rest of your career sort of flow in a way that makes sense. And you might zig left and you might zig right, but all of these building blocks are building towards the future that you're hoping for.
1: I mean, so much good stuff there. I think you can rewind that everybody and listen to it one more time. You're going to have a really good foundation for setting yourself up to be a leader. One of the other things that I hear happening sometimes in that vacuum of I think I want to do some type of leadership or I just don't know how to be a leader kind of conversations I'll have with physicians and not just young physicians. Sometimes it's just people have been doing it for a while and saying, ah, I think I could be part of leadership, but I don't even know how to do it. Is this idea that there's a step-by-step process and then you become a leader and then you are going to be good enough at it and you won't make any mistakes. And as Glennon Doyle would say, the brutal aspects of leadership, and it's brutal at times and beautiful at other times is. It is dynamic, and it sometimes is messy, and we do have to have some conflict, and we do have to have some courageous conversations, and we do have to have really smart people who have sometimes differing ideas of the results that they're trying to achieve, and we need to compromise and blend and be strong and do all kinds of things. More after this message from Doc Working Thrive. Doc Working, the whole physician podcast, is brought to you by the Doc Working Thrive subscription membership. It is all of the things you doctors have asked us for in one package. It's designed for doctors by doctors. You get group coaching by professional physician coaches around problems and challenges specific to you. You get a physician community where you can connect and build relationships with other physicians. Also, self-paced courses that you take on your own schedule, full of information on things like time management, leadership boundaries, communication, stress management, and so much more. All of this and more at an unbelievably affordable price. We built it for you, doctors. Go to docworking.com to sign up for DocWorking Thrive today. You'll be so glad you did. So what are your thoughts for people that think that there's a formula or that once they figure it out, it's smooth sailing? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Well, I think you know my life has taken a lot of twists and turns, and I was just telling someone this that you know, if I could go back and tell you all the things that I thought I was going to do with my career, and uh, almost none of them have happened, but other really great things have happened. So I think you know being open, the other thing is sometimes when you're just starting out and you have this sense of, you know what? I think I could be a leader. First of all, don't ignore that voice. I think women, especially, take that voice and they say, oh, that's too much. You know, I shouldn't say that. I'm being a little bit ahead of myself. Like I'm being a little bit too forward. It's not becoming for a woman to sort of think, oh, I could be a good leader. So first of all, don't ignore the voice. Second of all, it's hard to just pop right into a leadership role. Like you said, you have to demonstrate leadership qualities and then take advantage of a leadership opportunity. So if you think about it in that order is how am I going to demonstrate that I am a fantastic leader? And then you can start to go pull those opportunities towards you, ask about leadership opportunities, look into starting something yourself. You know, maybe there's a program that needs to be started that never has been started before. Start the program, start to look for collaborators. And there's probably a little bit of work, a little bit of elbow grease that might need to be put in before you're a named leader being aware of that, I think, and getting that balance right of demonstrating your leadership qualities and then looking for leadership opportunities is the beginning part. And then once you get a few of these, it's like, how am I going to do this job really well so that it gets me to the next stepping stone and I'm keeping my eyes on the horizon. But like you said, you don't have to be perfect. You know, Part of the biggest lessons that I've ever learned and the things that have propelled me forward are in times where things didn't go as well as I had hoped. And they really caused a sort of a change where I had to take a step back and say what's working and what isn't working. And what are the things that I need to practice that I need to get better at? And then having faith that I'm gonna get another chance you know, in the future to retool, to make myself better and to be ready for the next opportunity. I think that if you really are foundational, you're thinking about your skills, demonstrating your leadership, it's being ready for the opportunities that come your way and then taking advantage of them when they come.
1: Such good stuff. And I think one final thought I want us to play with a little bit is I think sometimes people have an idea that there's this linear ladder kind of way, like I need to get to this title and then this title. And that's, you know, sort of success in that linear fashion. And what I've had the experience again with some fantastic physician clients is sometimes helping them as a trusted thinking partner to recognize that even though you know, the sort of the next step is to be X leader, a lot of times what they're really fascinated with or what they're really passionate about or interested in is leading something else that isn't necessarily in that linear job title. And so broadening the definition of what leadership is, as you talked about it, leading in daily life, just in every interaction, thinking about how we can be a meaningful role model and lead with equity and inclusion and all of those things, but also that sometimes it's okay to step off that ladder and think about how you lead change, how you lead improvement, how you lead in those areas can be meaningful as well. Can you talk a little about that?
0: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite books that I read, well, other than yours still, but the other, the other books, there's a book, I forget the author's name, but the corporate lattice is what it's called. And it's a book that I grabbed when I was in business school that talks about how, like you said, that we can really hurt ourselves thinking about the ladder and the next rung up and the next rung up. And that really successful careers of transformational leaders are not linear. They actually are turned on their side, you know, 45 degrees and you're moving, gathering skills in one direction and then gathering skills in another. But over time, you know, overall looking at the lattice, we're moving up, so to speak, but it's not straight up and i think one of the most important messages i have is that that is a stronger foundation for a successful career than going straight up the ladder i firmly believe that some of the most transformational and important leaders that i've seen in healthcare they have done a variety of different things and they've taken on special projects or been a committee member you know this is the other thing is that in this day and age being an effective member of a team is also A leadership muscle. You know, and there are certain times when I join committees where I have to say to myself, you know, you're not here to lead this, you're here to support the person who's leading this and to make it a successful outcome. And to me, I look at that when I hire as people who can move in and out of both roles because of the matrix nature of healthcare. That is an essential skill. So you should not feel bad about the trajectory up a ladder. If you're moving to the left, moving to the right, gaining skills, creating that foundation of great leadership skills, the ability to move in and out of leadership positions and to support the project and the outcomes. Those are the things that are going to take you so far. And also not just far, but the places that you want to go. And that might be different. We have to be really mindful of those language things, you know, like going up the ladder and going far you know, that all doesn't matter if it's not in a place that you actually feel fulfilled by and that you want to go. So listening to those voices and being mindful of those skills, I think are really the important things for future leaders.
1: Yeah. And we've talked about it a lot because we have various conversations. For those of you who've listened to the podcast a lot, you know, we talk about the research around burnout and doing work that matters to you has a more direct result on sustainable work as a physician often than doing the sort of high achievement things, checking off the list that feel extrinsically disconnected. And so I think that lattice concept is just a powerful way to think about impact for yourself, impact on others in a meaningful way that that's going to be a really healthy way to create sustainable career longevity for yourself as a physician as well. Dr. Ingalanis, you gave us so many good things to think about. To recap a couple of keys and takeaways for you guys, remember that the nature of your medical training probably gave you a good foundation for a key leadership skill, which is decisiveness and the need to be able to come in and make decisions and to pivot on the fly at times based on the best information available, that's actually a foundational leadership skill that can serve you. So you're starting with some keys that maybe other people outside of medicine don't have as naturally as you do. At the same time, there may be vulnerabilities when it comes to leadership. Like sometimes that decisiveness or wanting to move quickly can be a vulnerability. And so, working to be a listener, to be inclusive, to take different perspectives in is another way that you can constantly be in the dynamic process of building your leadership skills. And then finally, Dr. Lennis gave us this idea of the lattice. We're not necessarily supposed to be just like climbing up the ladder in a linear way that's a step-by-step process, but to be open to building skills, collaborating, finding what matters to you and not just what somebody else says you should be doing in terms of growth when it comes to leadership can be powerful as well. Dr. Lennis, anything else that you want to leave us with in terms of final thoughts for today?
0: Well, thanks Jill. It's been so great to be here with you. I think I would leave your listeners with the thought that I think that being a physician is a noble profession and I am proud every day that I come to work and get to do the work that I do with patients and in the healthcare system. And I think that in this past couple of years with the pandemic and also the pressures that we have for healthcare in general, You know, there's a lot of what I hear from many physicians, especially younger ones and some older physicians who feel very burned out is that the profession has changed and that it's not the same anymore and they're feeling negative. I would say that, you know, if there's a way to connect with sort of the pride that you feel in the work that we do and how important it is and some of the feelings that you had when you graduated from medical school and when you started on this road those things still exist. They are in our hearts, you know, our patients look up to us and so do many other professionals in the healthcare system. I think that we should all feel very proud of the work that we do. And so I take a little time sometimes to just tell my physicians that that I work with is that there's still a tremendous amount of pride in the work that we do. It doesn't mean that we don't have work to do to be better leaders and to work on those skills like we are today. But if I could give you a virtual pat on the back and tell you that, you know, the whole world is so thankful for the work that we've done over the past couple of years, and that we need to take a deep breath, fortify ourselves and keep going because everyone needs us to do the work that we do.
1: Dr. Inga Lenis, oncologist, physician leader at MGH in Boston. Thank you so, so much. And thanks all of you for listening to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. Until next time. I'm Jill Farmer.
2: Stay tuned for more from today's guest after this important message. Did you know that August is National Civic Health Month? Civic Health Month is a month dedicated to highlighting the important connection between civic participation and health and features hundreds of hospitals and clinics and thousands of individual healthcare providers all committed to helping their patients and providers vote like their health depends on it. Civic Health Month makes it easy for you to get involved by providing personalized tools and resources like badge backers and posters to help your patients register to vote. And the best part, it's completely free. Over 26,000 health care providers just like you are already taking action toward creating a health democracy. So why not join them? Visit www.civichealthmonth.org to learn more and get involved. Hello,
1: and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Tarrin. I'm the producer of the Doc Working Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number 1. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.